All right. Don't you love when it starts off like that? Um, yeah, I've been, I've been tasked, tasked, if I could say that right, um, with talking about the last portion of our four-part series, uh, Nobody, Somebody, Everybody, Anybody. Um, just want to share with you guys a couple of portions of, of Scripture and just kind of walk through that, but um, I want to just spend some time sharing uh, some things that have happened in my life and hopefully to challenge you um, where God's moving you and how he's working through you. Um, if you picked up a program, just to give you a couple of instructions, there's a heart on there. You're probably like, you know, you feel like you got robbed because there's not a lot of notes on there, but um, wait to fill in that heart. I'm going to give you a challenge at the end of the message. Um, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do with that heart. So that's pretty much the preface of what I wanted to start. In the book of Matthew, chapter 22, is a very powerful story of a, a wedding banquet or a wedding feast. Um, it's actually one of my favorite portions of scripture to preach on. I've probably preached on it a handful of times, and I just love this image of this, um, you know, this, this loving king that wants to celebrate the son. And um, I remember as, as I delved into that and just started reading what was going on, this whole idea of this amazing banquet, this amazing feast that was going to take place, and the king reaches out and invites the elite to come. You know, those that he thought would have said yes, and it ends up that they were too busy. I love reading through the story, and he invites them again, yet again, this elite group of people, these people that should have known that, yeah, man, this is, this is a pretty big deal, and the king is reaching out to me, right? And yet they, re they reject him again. I'm busy. I got better things to do. As a matter of fact, they ended up killing the messengers and hurting the messengers, which enraged the king. In the end, it was the anybody's. It was the any ones that were invited. The word of God says in, in verses 8 and 9, and I'm going to read um, a paraphrase from the message. Forgive me, those of you that are King James only, but it says, We have a wedding banquet all prepared, but no guests. The ones I invited weren't up to it. Ouch. Go out into the busiest intersections. Go out into the place where people are at. Go out into the busiest intersections in the town and invite anyone you find to the banquet. I've said over the last 11 years that, that I've been serving God and been saved and under, beginning to understand and grow in the love that he has for me is that I'm so glad that God has a heart for the anyone's because um, I was lower than that. I was, I was a nobody. I was a person that was, was rejected. Um, I was not a good person. I'm still not a great person. I'm not a good person. But after reading that and thinking about, you know, where I was going to go today, I started thinking about Kim and I's wedding. I started thinking about, you know, after she said yes, my fingers were crossed, I was kneeled down, you know, the whole nine, right? After she said yes, remember that I was overly excited and I wanted to invite anybody to our wedding. You know, but after you, after you sit down, you know, I mean, it, it was interesting. It was like perfect strangers were hearing about this person that I loved because I was so excited. I was so excited that I was in love with somebody, and not only that, but that they loved me back. Any opportunity that came on pouring gas, hey, by the way, I'm getting married. You know, I'm, I'm ordering food. Hey, by the way, I'm getting married. I was so excited about the person that was in love with me and I in love with her that I couldn't stop talking about her. I talked about her to anybody. I had fallen in love, and there was something different about me because I was loved and I was in love. 
a little side note, and I don't want to get under, well, I do want to get under your skin really, really quick. If you're, in, if you're in love with Jesus and you know that you're loved, maybe, I don't know, maybe you need to talk about him a little more. Maybe you need to show that you're in love, or maybe you need to ask yourself, am I in love with him? Or maybe you need to ask yourself, do you, do you know, do I know that I'm truly loved? I started thinking about what would be the right thing to do. Yeah, of course, I want to invite, you know, anybody to come and celebrate in this day, this great moment where we're, we're professing and recognizing our love. And, um, but not just anybody could attend, right? Not just anybody could attend. I mean, there were just reasons I'd be weird to invite a perfect stranger to come to my wedding, right? But not just that, there were certain people I didn't want to share my day with. So the truth of the matter is, I... I didn't want to invite anybody. I didn't have that within me. If it was up to me, we would have invited everybody, everybody that mattered. But we had to be reasonable. We had to have a list. We had to have a plan. We had to have an outline. Basically, we had an agenda. First of all, we had a budget. And second, after I got past the excitement, like I said, there was more than a handful of people that I didn't want to share that day with. Now, just bear with me. Walk through this for a minute. In hindsight, after the wedding, when I thought about it, I was like, man, there were some people that should have been there. There were some people that should have been there. I, I wish that we would have, you know, maybe cut a corner on this end and they would have been there to celebrate us. I remember thinking about our reception after the wedding. I remember walking in and seeing a friend of mine. His name's Jacob. I remember walking. We invited more people to the reception than we did to the wedding. <clears throat> and I remember walking in and I remember seeing his face. He was probably more excited for us than anybody else. Um, but when it came down to it, he was more excited that he was invited to share that day. You see, Jacob's gay. And he knows I'm a pastor, and it continually blows his mind that, because I don't understand how a Christian loves me because I'm constantly getting judged by everybody else. I didn't have an agenda for inviting Jacob the agenda, I didn't have an agenda where I wanted him to see that, you know, the proper way of marriage is a man and a woman. Um, I didn't have, you know, the book of Genesis laid out, you know, and all that stuff. I didn't have an ex-gay friend that had been saved that I was hoping would bump into him. I had no agenda that, to invite him other than the fact that we began to invest in each other some years ago. I loved on Jacob just like he was anybody else, and he returned that love back to me. And at one moment we were anybody's, but then we became friends. And for that man to come and celebrate on our day and to have that amount of joy for us, man, just, it just returned. It, it just validated why I continue to love the anybody's. If you think about it, how many agendas do we have with our love? How many lists proceed, you know, before we actually love somebody? I have to have, I have to go through this flow, and I don't know if I'm starting to make sense or not. Sorry, I'm a little bit nervous because when I start talking about God, I just get, uh, I get excited and and I get, um, I get very nervous because I want to honor Him. So I hope that I'm kind of drawing you guys into this conversation. We need to stop having agendas with our love and think about it. What about our love is contingent, or what is our, our love contingent upon? Agreement, feelings, dislikes, likes, political party, or a social circle? 
I start thinking about all the people that God puts me in contact with, man. And if I had, I had a, if I had a list of reasons of why we couldn't have a conversation, then I wouldn't be friends with any of you in here. You know, right as we were getting ready to come, you know, I was sharing with Kim a little bit about what I was going to share. And immediately, you know, again, Randy came up. You know what I mean? It was like I had no agenda with him. We were just hiding from people outside. <laughs> I mean, we had something in common, which kind of helped, but we were just hiding from people outside. You know, I started thinking about Mark, you know, some of the people that I'm closer with. I started thinking about uh, Steve Reiner and just being able to serve with him at the connection. I started thinking about how we've come together. And if, if my love had these stipulations on it, then we, we wouldn't be where we're at right now in our friendships. We value and devalue at will, not God's will, but ours. We invite and uninvite on a whim, and what's even worse is we validate our actions of why we do that. Why we don't have time to love people, or why we won't love people to a certain extent, and why we, why we cut off, why we say, I just can't do it anymore. I'm super convicted right now because as I'm sharing the story, I've, I cut my older brother out of my life because I just couldn't do it anymore. Probably going to give him a call right after this. <laughs> But God the king, in this uh, short portion of scripture that I shared, he did not, he does not have any reservation about the anybody's. He says, I want you to go out and whoever you find, I want, I want you to invite them in. All he wanted was to celebrate with him. And I guess the question that I have for you this morning is, who are you celebrating your life in Christ with? Who are you celebrating your life in Christ with, man? We get so wrapped up in this Christmas spirit, we forget the fact that, you know what, you were saved to celebrate your life in Christ with somebody, with everybody, with anybody. Who are you holding it back from, and, and how dare you do that? And I'm pointing my finger back at myself. How dare I hold back the life in Christ that was given to me from my older brother because I can't handle it? I'm going to read this because I'm not going to be able to, to get it out if I don't just look at it and read it. Do you not know that there's a great event waiting inside of us? Do you not know that there is a great event waiting inside of each and every one of us? And for the most part, the elite people of our lives are not going to receive it. The closest are not going to see it. It's the anyone's. The one-off chance that for that moment, you're going to love anyone right where they're at, and they're going to be drawn to what's inside of your life and begin to question, why am I drawn to you? What is it about you? I was sitting at work yesterday after I got off, and I was, I was talking with this guy, and he just kept saying, he goes, man, you're a fantastic person. I go, no, I'm not, dude. I'm just, I'm better at hiding my failures than you. Gabe, you're a great person. He kept celebrating me, and I was like, you know, he finally asked the question. He says, what is it about you that makes me want to spend time with you? And I kept putting my finger up. I go, it's Jesus Christ, man. There was nothing good in me but him. He kept shaking his head, no, 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 but I kept answering the question the same way. You see, you're not going to get me. Nobody's going to get me to change my answer. Nobody's going to get me when the event presents itself. Nobody is going to get me to change my answer that Jesus is the reason why I am the way I am. 
I met a man yesterday, and I'm going to call him Will, just for the sake of argument. An older gentleman came in, and he ordered, um, he ordered a beer. Those of you guys know I work at a brewery. Um, he ordered a beer, and I messed up his order. <laughs> so as I'm watching this man, we're, we're packed. The place is packed, and he doesn't have a place to sit. He has no one to talk to. He's wandering back and forth, and I, I'm watching him take a sip of his beverage, and I'm watching him walk back over the counter and read, and I could tell immediately that I had given him the wrong drink. I finally went over and talked to him and had a conversation with him and tried to rectify what I had done wrong. And, and you know, he just, he looked really tired. He looked really upset. He looked like he didn't want to be bothered, but it's like, why do you come to a public place if you, if you don't want to be bothered, right? So I'm trying to do my job, but also my heart is telling me, man, there's a great event that's about to happen, and I don't know what it is. So when a spot opens up, man, I make sure that that man gets to sit down, and I talk with him a little more and come to find out his daughter lives right across the street from where I work. And uh, he mentioned that she has celiac, so she can't enjoy beer, but he smiled as he was enjoying his. As we dug a little bit deeper, and as I was just being who God's called me to be and loving on him, he mentions that his 34-year-old daughter just had a stroke. And me trying to not be, you know, that, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, that kind of just, you know, that, that instant response that we give when we don't know what to say to somebody. Um, I sat there and just started talking to him and, and asking him how it happened. Is, is she okay? And where was she at? And where did they come from? And the long story short is that they had taken a short trip to Nepal and due to some um, issues from coming back. It just, um, it, it's an unexplained stroke for somebody that young. Said that she was down in the, the Swedish hospital down south. And I said, hey, just to kind of get him talking about something upbeat, I said, hey, I run a youth center down that way. We started talking a little bit about it and he just kind of sits back and his whole countenance just changes. And he says, you could tell that he was just blown away. He said, you impress me and I'm not impressed very easy. You know, my response was, I, I don't live for, you know, your first impression of me, homeboy, but hey, thank you. I'm so glad that I was able to impress you today, right? That's just the smart elegant inside of me. That's not Jesus. But as he sat back and smiled and, and his whole just demeanor changed, we started talking about stuff. And I said, man, I, I serve Christ. I'm, I'm a pastor. I, and I want to pray for your daughter. Will you tell me your name? And he said, her name is Marie. I said, I'll be praying for you. We started talking about some other stuff. He's from Southern California, a place called San Clemente um, down south. And I was like, dude, I love San Clemente, man. I've been to the pier a handful of times, man. It's great. He's like, where are you from? I'm from Fresno, man. He's like, ah, I lived in Sanger. And, you know, everything's changing. All this stuff that just kind of came off a mess up, right? And we're celebrating this event. And, you know, it was just, it was just amazing. It was amazing just to sit there. I, I didn't wake up in the morning figuring that I was going to engage somebody in this way, but God gave me the right anybody and put me in the right state of mind to engage this person just to love on them. You know, as I was talking with one of the guys last night, man, and he was telling me he didn't believe in Jesus, I said, you know, we, we wonder why people fail to see Jesus, and it's because we're not there. You wonder why so many people of the world are failing to see Jesus, and it's because we're not there. It's because we're not showing up. We're not showing up totally in love and with the confidence that we're loved. We're missing these opportunities, opportunities to celebrate life with people and to share the life that's been given us. We're missing these big events in our life because of what we're distracted by 
and what we're, we're allowing to consume our time. Somebody smile out there, man. These spaces do not look good. Thank you. <laughs> good Lord, man. Whew. I would turn around, but I'm afraid to get a knife in my back. It's not that bad, man. I'm getting to the good part, all right? Jeez. You know, man, it's... I wonder why my brother's failing to see Jesus, and maybe it's because I'm not there. Maybe because it's, it, it's hard, but it's easier for me to remove myself from his life and ignore him than it is to be there and wait for that big event. You see, we are the representation of God. We are the ambassadors of Christ, the Bible says. We are filled with the greatest gift of God. And we have the ability to quench it. We have the ability to deny it. We have the ability to suppress it and continue to be ourselves. I told you that I was going to tell you about the heart inside of your program. The question before you today is, what is God calling for you to do for the anybody's of this world? How do we live with the intentionality of love today instead of with agendas? Think about that for a second. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth, and this is Jesus speaking. I don't believe he's ever lied, but he's saying, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus is telling us in this portion of scripture, I remember reading this when I first got saved and I got super excited, right? Because I'd be like super Jesus. But Jesus is saying that anybody who believes in him are going to be able to do the same thing that he did, but even greater. I guess another question is, what great works, what greater works are you failing to do? What greater works am I failing to do? What's getting in the way of that expression of love and knowing that I've been loved? says, anyone who believes in me will do the same works even greater because I'm going to be with the Father, implying that we've been left with a charge, implying that we've been left with something to do. And this is, I'm added, I added this because of my talking with Kim this morning. Um, maybe you're thinking, well, it's just not my personality type. type. I'm an introvert. And you know what? God doesn't care about your personality type. He created you. And I'm not being a smart aleck either. She's like, babe, it comes easy for you because you're gifted. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's very hard to step outside of my comfort zone and engage somebody, especially when we have nothing in common. Maybe you're thinking, it's not in my gifting. I'm just not called to do that. Again, God's not concerned with that. He made you, and we need to stop using those things as an excuse. Maybe you just don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't know that he uses the unqualified. Maybe you don't know that he uses the unprepared. I think we give ourselves way too much credit when we serve God. It's more about us and more about him than him. It's more about what we want to do and less about how he wants to use us to engage his people. The question I want you to think about is how many anybodies do you have in your life? How many anybodies do you have in your life? I mean, what if you woke up each day with the intentionality of saying, I'm going to fill my heart today with engaging one person. 
I can guarantee you that everybody in this room has at least one person that they need to be sharing the love of God with. And I'm not talking about making a list about how you're going to do it. I'm just talking about being present. The intentionality of crossing the street with that neighbor, not so that you can tell them about Christ and then get saved and be a great friend and you won't have to worry about what an a-hole they are, excuse me. You know what I mean? Like, that's our agenda. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> you, everything is powered and motivated by an agenda. I'm going to do this because this. I, I'm going to do this action so that the reaction is this. What if you were just present? What if you were just present and every glory that was given to you, you turned back and said, nah, man, it's not me, it's Christ. What if you were just available for God's sake? What if you just stopped being so selfish? What if we stopped being so selfish and just said, you know what, today, God, I'm going to put it all on the line because you did that for me. And if I wait for the right opportunity and I, and I wait in a position of humility and the desire to serve you, then you'll give me a chance to celebrate life with somebody. You'll create a big event in my life. You know, I spend time with people every day that I don't necessarily like. There are a million things that I'd like to change about them, but that wouldn't make them them. I'm sure there's a lot of things that some of you want to change about me when we get together, and I thank you for loving me through that. But if that's my motive when I come in contact with somebody as a man, I can't wait to change this about them so that they'd be more likable. Then that's not true love. That's not unconditional love. As I was sitting with this guy last night, we were talking a little bit. It just kind of came out. I was trying to explain to him as he doesn't believe in Jesus I said, using kind of all our tag words for these last four weeks, I said, God can love anybody because everybody is somebody and nobody is a nobody. What greater works are within your ability to do that you're neglecting? What greater works do we have to do today?